Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff to spice up the bedroom is even better. Whether you're buying a gift for your sugar baby or just for yourself, you can get 50% off at adamandeve.com when you enter the code CANDY at checkout. And that's not all. Adam and Eve will include 10 tantalizing free gifts, a sexy item for him, a special gift for her, and a third item all partners can enjoy. Plus, you'll receive six free spicy movies. But the best part is the free shipping. You can get all of this at adamandeve.com using code CANDY at checkout. That's C-A-N-D-Y. So Shelby, what are you getting me? Candy Girl Podcast. Fuck me, Daddy. <laughs> hey, all you candy sluts and bubble buds. Welcome back to another episode of Candy Girl. I'm Emily. I'm Shelby. And I'm Cactus. And B, would you like to take it away? Hi there. I am B York, and I'm here visiting today. <laughs> <laughs> We're just here to have a good time, but... I guess our standard question that we start out with is, how did you make your way into sex work? Uh, well, it started about a little over five years ago. Um, it's kind of a funny story, but I was cleaning out my closet. I was uh, selling a lot of clothing that, you know, just wasn't for me anymore. And I came across a pile of, of well, really nice designer lingerie. And it felt like such a shame because it's stuff that I really wouldn't wear again. And it, it seems sad to throw it away. So, of course, I kind of researched what I could do with it and led to panty selling, naturally. And then um, I've always been a little bit of an exhibitionist. So it just kind of slowly snowballed into just building up a fan base and a brand and being me five years later. Yeah, we're really excited to have you on the show. There's a lot of things that we want to cover while we're here. First of all, you're nominated for Best Boobs, right? For the AVNs? The yes. title is actually Most Spectacular Boobs. Ooh. <laughs> it's yes, the <I'm> details. <laughs> I'm so excited to be nominated again for an AVN award. Um, I mean, I'm up against so, so many great, like, big, big porn stars that, you know, it's just, it's just great to, like, be in a category with them. Yeah, what's that like? I kind of want to know, like, how that feels. <laughs> Maybe it's, it's like a, it's a little overwhelming, um, just, you know, it's, it's kind of weird. Like, wow, I really did accomplish all of this so far. What are the type of like preparations you have to do for being nominated? Like, do you have to make, especially during COVID, like, do you have to make your own videos? Do you have to make any kind of like content that they do to show? Are you going to do a speech? Like, I'd love to know just everything you're getting ready with. <laughs> I wish I would do a, could do a speech, but that would be only if I won. Pretty much uh, the big thing is just being established. For these particular nominations, it's based on fan vote. Um, other ones, it's, you know, based on industry, like, execs, and, you know, the, the powers that be out in the porn world. 
but for this one, it's it's gathering all your fans to say, hey, drop my name in, and hopefully I get a nomination. When does voting end? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I think it ends January 23rd. So why we're here and on this topic, so what you do is go to stars.avn.com slash avnawards slash voting. I'll have to double check on that URL. And there are tons of different categories that you can vote on. You will find B under most spectacular boobs. And I I voted for her earlier Thank today. You. you get five five votes. You don't even have to pick but you don't even have to pick one. You can do five of your favorite people for each category. And like I haven't filled out any other categories, so you don't have to like go through the entire sub- nomination form or submission form because there are a lot of categories and a lot of people to vote for. I'm gonna have I to log in on my account on and Twitter. Oh yes, yeah, I'll check out your Twitter and then I'll just start voting for you today. And also, I just want to see who else is nominated and what kind of categories there are too. Um, have you been to AVN before, like the actual convention? Yeah, I went two years ago, um, was my first time. Well, I guess technically it would be last year because we're in December now. Um, So I went last year's and then I went to this year's um, and it was really fun. Uh, I was kind of saying before that like the first time I went was a big realization that if I wanted to be like in this industry, I kind of had to like take that next step and and uh really put myself all in because it was like a little overwhelming to realize what a tiny little fish I was in this giant sea of incredibly talented porn stars I'm sure it's a bit daunting but also like super inspiring to go I've always wanted to go I've been in sex work for a few years but never gotten out there so I'm always jealous and like love hearing the stories Especially about how people get sick after AVN. <laughs> Wait, what? Apparently happens all the time. <laughs> uh, it's the AVN flu. Um, well, I mean, this this year was a little different, but uh, last year normally because so many people are like meeting up and and shooting scenes together, and there's just fluids exchanged and and everything exchanged that. It's it's pretty common to get a really bad cold after, and then of course you're being in you're in Vegas for a good amount of time, and that always seems to do my lungs in. But yeah, it's when things get back to normal and AVN is a possibility, you should absolutely go because it's great to see other people that you don't necessarily get to have spend time with because everyone is well all over the globe. It's a great way to just hang out and relax, go to, well, we did a lot of eating um, and a lot of filming in the daytime, (laughs) but it was nice to see people from, you know, all over the U.S. that I don't get to see my coworkers. I love (laughs) coworkers in the most vanilla, in the most vanilla sense of the word. (laughs) That's what they are, essentially. (laughs) So while we're on the topic of boobs, I I dream of being nominated for having good boobs. I've always had really tiny boobs and I've always wanted like beautiful titties. And Emily has 
we're, we're like we're built opposite like emily has these big boobs and she's very petite and i have this like shelby has such a fat <laughs> ass okay like she is not giving herself enough credit she's over here like oh i wish i had these big boobs and girl we can't have it all okay like you're right you're right um but emily and i we so we were having a conversation a while ago she was telling me about this trip that she was on with three of her friends and they all took off their shirts and she still had her bra on and they were like pressuring you weren't they into like taking your bra off right yeah it was this weird so like my my other female friend who was there she was very flat chested and so not wearing bras or I guess not wearing bras being topless was a lot more common for her than it was for me and for me I mean one I need to wear a bra other like I need the support okay like let's just (laughs) get that one out of the way and I'm I'm just not used to like not wearing bras or like not being covered up down there so I almost had this weird sense of shame where it was like, oh, well, I should be more progressive and like free the nipple and like, you know, I should be able to just comfortably have my shirt off like men do. But like, it wasn't, it wasn't fair. Yeah, she was telling me how she felt guilty because she didn't feel comfortable taking her shirt off or her like being completely topless. But she feels like as a feminist and as somebody who's very like embrace your body, she should feel comfortable with that. And I was saying because her friend is very petite up top, she might not have the same experiences of being sexualized that Emily probably does. And another example of that is I used to have a friend who got her breasts done. And after they uh, she went from like an A cup to a D cup or something like that. And after that, people started treating her so differently, like they felt so entitled to her body. And this was I mean, this was particularly when we would go out. Um, people would just like grab her boobs out of nowhere. People she didn't know. (laughs) There was one time where she was wearing a tube top. It was like a jumper that was a tube top as well. And some girl came up behind her and like pulled her top down and just started like playing with her boobs in the middle of the club. And we like that had never happened to her before. And I, I, I have to assume it's because like, her boobs are so big and maybe people were like, oh, this is a a fun thing that I can play with, but it's definitely, you know, part of somebody's body and you shouldn't be touching people without their explicit permission. So I kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit about your experience with that um, because we are on the topic of boobs and and we kind of want to get a little bit into like the scrutinization of women's bodies and the part that plays in porn. So yeah, take take it away, I guess. (laughs) Sure. Um, while you were explaining that, that, um, that, you know, there's, there's an over-sexualization of large breasts, um, and just of a woman in, in, you know, fully clothed, as you were explaining that, I realized that that's, that's very true. And that's probably why, like when I'm out and about or like dressed almost any other time, I'm covered up to here. And that's just the way that my life outside of work has always been because, you know, it's been ingrained on me to, if I show cleavage, you know, I'm a bad person if, you know, I'm going to draw the wrong attention. And, you know, I've always like covered up so much whenever I'm out in public because it's just been ingrained in me that, you know, I, I 
don't want to draw the wrong attention and I don't want to be sexualized by anyone who sees me, um, regardless of, of their gender. And, and I feel bad because I shouldn't feel that way because, you know, I should be feeling this is my body. This is, you know, I can dress it and clothe it however I see fit. But when society tells you like a hundred thousand times that, you know, something else, you, as much as you don't want to, you do start to believe it. I was just going to ask, um, how has this ever related to you? I don't know if you've had big boobies your whole life, but I know that my big tittied friends like in middle school and high school always had a lot of issues with dress code and cleavage showing, even though technically they were trying, they're wearing the same things that, you know, the tiny titty uh, people were wearing, but I feel like they got a lot more scrutinization because just the way that their body was built and then blaming it on, you know, the fact that, oh, guys are going to see what are they going to do? And it's always on us. Like, did you have a lot of issues like that? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think that is a part of why, like, you know, it's still ingrained in me to, to you know, dress very modestly. Um, like, I have a really cute jumpsuit that has a deep V that, you know, on anyone that has a smaller chest would cover everything. But I put a turtleneck under that thing. So I, you know, don't just that's the way I think now. It's hard to when it's. Or I guess for me, when I'm like, oh, I kind of want to cover up because I don't like all the sexual attention I get when I dress more revealing and I get met with, you have nice tits. That is the biggest blessing you could ever have in the entire world. How could you be so ungrateful? Like, I'm not sure if you've ever gotten that. Maybe I'm projecting. Who knows? (laughs) Um, I can't think of, well, I mean, on the spot, I can't think of a moment where that's exactly happened, but I'm sure it has. But I don't know. There's just, there's a time and a place where I want that to be the, the attention grabbing factor of, of me. And I think it could just been like, you know, a snowball of things uh, across my life of, you know, telling me to cover up you know, an acclamation of, of everything. But the way that society is and people, you know, when you go out in something that is more revealing, that's, that's what they notice about you. And that's what they gravitate towards. And sometimes I want more than that. Sometimes I obviously want that to be, you know, the focus. And, and you can obviously see that in, in much of my work. But you know, if I just want to hang out with friends uh, or, you know, just have a normal conversation, I don't want. This seems like a really good time to insert a PSA. If you ever think that you've been incredibly slick about looking at someone's chest, you're not. I, I've i noticed every single time. I don't know how you couldn't notice. Would I ever say anything? Absolutely not. I don't know how to bring it up. If anybody's ever said anything, I would love some pointers, but I just just want y'all to know, like, you're not slick. I would I would also say there's totally I feel like there's totally a difference between like somebody like checking out your boobs mid-conversation and somebody like glancing down and then glancing back up because like 
I mean, not, I'm not saying that like, it's always okay, but I know that I'm pretty bad. I'm, I mean, not anymore, but before I was like out of the closet, I was so bad about like glancing at women's boobs and then making eye contact again and being like, why did I just do that? Like that was, why did I do that? Um, and I was going to say, we can totally tell the difference. Like, I feel like I can totally tell the difference when somebody totally. just like, like didn't, they glance and like, oh, that was bad. I shouldn't have. And when somebody's like trying to stare at my boobs, you know? Yeah, and I think I mean there's a there's a time and a place, and and I don't think it's like the end of the world if like someone just takes a quick glance because you know we have eyes and we can only stay focused. Like you know, part of part of our eyes is rapidly moving and, and processing what we're seeing, and of course, occasionally they're gonna oh boobies. I I'm guilty of it too, but then of course you know there's respecting that person that you're talking to and not like having the whole conversation just staring at their boobs. I totally get that. It's like, there's a lot more about me than my boobs. There's a lot more about me. Like, don't think that's the only compliment you can get me. And like, I'm going to respond to that and actually like it. But I think that kind of is different from, you know, personal life and sex work, because a lot of your compliments, I'm sure, are nice tits and that, you know, like those kind of compliments. And not a lot of people are looking. There's definitely people who look for personalities, but, you know, they like a lot of their performers because of the body types that they have. So it's very interesting to like play who are we in our sex work lives and who are we in our personal lives. But it's all just about respect, honestly. Like your your followers are paying you to say those things. You know, like people in the street are not paying you to, you know, look at your tits and buy a picture of them or whatever, just give you a compliment. Um, So there's definitely that level of like, earn it, earn my respect, kind of. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I would not go out, out of my house and, you know, out for the night, well, maybe out for the night um, and expect people to compliment my, my assets and and I feel like that's definitely like a like almost like a consent thing you know you don't actually get to like sexualize me unless I want it when I'm working um and making content absolutely that's that's why I'm here please sexualize the hell out of me and my big titties I think it's also it's such a paradox too because obviously as women and and you know female presenting people there's we want to be taken seriously and there's so much more to us besides how we look but then there's also this element of unless we look attractive we might not get respect from certain people and sometimes those people are employers or important people that we kind of need that from and I think this is a good way to segue into you know women's bodies being scrutinized and then how that kind of plays a part in porn and how Um, both you and Cactus handle that and manage that because I feel like personally if I was constantly if my if my job involved like people having to look at me all the time I would probably have some body dysmorphia issues there's definitely well our first episode when I was first on this podcast was about my body hair and I kind of have some similar issues about going out in public like you do be I didn't like <laughs> showing my armpits so I would always wear things that would show cover those cover my legs because I wasn't really sexualized for them although I am online but 
it's more of like the fear of like what people are going to say or what they're going to think of you. So there's definitely like no matter what you think is beautiful, somebody's either going to scrutinize you or sexualize you. There's not really an in-between on that, which is really sad because we're like people and not just bodies. And it definitely plays a part into porn because, I mean, a lot of people were, were put into categories. You look up on Pornhub, BBW, or Small Tits, or Harry, or um, Petite, or whatever you want. But it puts people in such these, like, small categories that, one, it's hard for us to get out of those categories uh, because if people see us making other content, like, if I shave my bush, dear God forbid, I do, which I did a couple months ago and I lost followers uh, and income because of it. But because I'm so sexualized for that rather than just being supported and empowered by it. Um, it definitely plays a part in my um, content, whether or not I am catering to my audience or not, or just being constantly put into smaller and smaller boxes. Um, I'm sure you probably have a lot of similar issues like that of being in certain categories or your fans only wanting to see certain things, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely um, feel like similar Similar experiences is kind of being boxed in to certain categories and then also having like some of those features that you don't necessarily love about yourself being fetishized and um, not not necessarily enjoying that part of it. But it's it's kind of a touchy, touchy like realm because porn is is really like based on those categories and and sexualizing certain categories and just kind of really niching down and um just kind of yeah just putting people into boxes rather than people and sometimes it can be a little disheartening to like no I'm a person not just big tits not just thick not just you know girl next door and and any other box everyone seems to see fit um, yeah, it definitely, it, it can be really hard, especially since, you know, like every day you're seen by, by people and thousands of people who will judge you one way or the other. Um, on every platform I get, you know, a ton of praise, but I also get, you know, a lot of my fair share of, of mean comments and so does anyone else of any kind of any body type. There's, there's always going to be, um, just, I don't know, people nitpicking over every little detail about you, um, regardless of how gorgeous you are. When you both started doing sex work, was that something you were prepared for or maybe like prepared for a little bit, but then a little caught off guard or, um, you know, none of the above and, and you were just like, oh, you know, this is how this is going to be. And then second question would be like, is there a way that you both learn to kind of manage it? Because I'm sure seeing negative comments about yourself relatively regularly can be kind of hard. I know for me, like when I first started, of course, um, I first started on Reddit and I've I've heard many times that Reddit is not always kind. Um, so I knew that there would be negative comments. And I would say over time, it's gotten better better because you realize um those negative comments 
you know, come from a different type of person. They would never contribute to your work. They would never, ever support you in any way. They are really just there to get a reaction out of you. Or, I don't know, they're just a crappy person who needs to say mean things about people. And I occasionally will click on their their post history, depending on the platform, and see, like, oh, no, this is, you're, you're just an asshole. Okay, well. And occasionally things do really, really sting. And I think that's just the nature of the beast. I think that can happen anywhere, though. Like, you can take, you know, you can get a mean comment or take a comment a, a negative way and, you know, outside of sex work in your day-to-day no, it's well, I mean, it's the age of the Internet. I mean, everywhere you go on TikTok, Instagram, no matter where people are going to judge you for anything, they're just projecting their own insecurities. They wouldn't be talking about something if it didn't bother them that much. Um, but it is just it's not a good it doesn't help you build your character. It doesn't help you feel good as a as a worker at all um, or as a person. But navigating it and I honestly like it's not about me if they don't like something about me it's their own problem it's like if you don't have something nice to say just don't say it and not a lot of people really follow that rule um I I feel like it definitely takes a toll especially if you're not having some good mental health days in this industry it can get kind of hard um but there's definitely ways to get past it. Just ignore it. Don't feed it. Don't give it a time of day. Move on. Just keep striving and do you because you is great. You is kind. You is important. You is smart. <laughs> um, I, I was saying the wrong one, so I just kept going with it. Um, but I, I think that also just kind of leads into um, uh, just my the kind of content that I want to make is a little bit different than what people like to see of me. I know that you're pretty well known for obviously your beautiful, spectacular uh, tits, which I can give a th- two thumbs up. Roger and Ebert, they're right here. Um, but is there any certain kind of content that you just? Re- I mean. If it's tit content, that's great. But is there something that just, like, fills your soul and, like, you get so excited to create no matter what it is? The big thing for me is the role play itself. Uh, It could be, like, a variety of genres. And I just, if you can give me a good storyline, I will put my heart and soul into it. As long as there isn't a lot of dialogue that I have to memorize because then I will probably hate it. Um. But I love just getting into a character, Um, even if it's like a taboo fantasy, even if it's like femdom, even if it's like, well, very submissive, like I will will switch it up and switch town. And I, I don't know, it's just so fun to like create different versions of myself that kind of like represent small pieces of who I am because, you know, I'm kind of all over the place. Interesting. I really want to, on the topic of content, talk about platforms a little bit, specifically Pornhub, because as we're recording this, Pornhub purged all of their non-verified content yesterday. 
So um, there's a lot going on with that. Visa and MasterCard have pulled out, which is a, a big issue. And B, I know we wanted to talk about that a little bit with you. So for anybody who's completely unfamiliar with the situation, would you mind filling in some of the gaps? Sure. Well, for a while, Pornhub has been known to um, have pretty pretty loose standards for how you can upload content. They do have a system where, you know, uh, videos will be checked, um, especially when flagged for removal. But the process can be a little slow and it's not always effective. Um, and that's created a, quite an upset for a lot of anti-porn people. And uh, it, it does come from maybe originally a very good place of wanting to eliminate non-consensually uploaded porn as well as child pornography, which, I mean, those are very, very important things to not have on your platform, but that's not necessarily what the ultimate goal of of the anti-porn crusade uh, was doing here. Um, And there was a lot of push from MasterCard and then Visa and then Discover um, to, to no longer allow Pornhub to use use them as proce- payment processors. And so they pretty much just yeeted. And as of right now, there's essentially no way to pay for porn via Pornhub or their known model hub. And, and that was as of Friday, which really hurts because model hub is another uh, clip site platform, a part of Pornhub. And so those daily sales that, you know, bring my my ranking up are now nothing. So that led to just yesterday, Pornhub being able to come to a decision to pull all non-verified content, which is honestly really great news because there is so, so much stuff that is re-uploaded without consent, without any, any like way for the original models or studios to um, earn any sort of compensation. It does mean that a part of that, there was a lot of, there were actually um, honest people that did want to share their own porn without um, being uh, a verified model or monetizing their videos. And that is very, very unfortunate for them. But there were enough bad eggs and bad compilations and bad porn um, up there to justify the means. So I think that pretty much brings us to now. I saw a tweet and Cactus sent it to us earlier for this episode by Ashley Latka is their name on Twitter And they were saying that over the last three years, NGOs slash audits found this many instances of child sexual abuse per website, which is something a lot of people have been citing as a reason to take down Pornhub. Pornhub had 118. Facebook had 84 million. (laughs) And uh, right now, With social media, a lot of sex workers' accounts are getting purged. We talked a little bit about this in our last episode. I know December 20th is the day that everything's going down. And so we are 
kind of entering, and some people might already consider this like a war on sex work, honestly, where all of your platforms are being scrubbed from the internet. And so I would love to talk about how this has affected you specifically and how you foresee this affecting other sex workers should this continue or get worse. I try and not be all doom and gloom and and I try not to bring my big bag of box of tinfoil and my tinfoil hat theories, but I do believe that there's a chance that we really will become like come to a, a war on sex workers and and get to this weird space of of we're just so sanitized and and just I don't know weird puritanical views of of nothingness. Um, and that really is a fear that, that comes to mind. Realistically, I don't necessarily think that something like that, you know, it'll ever get that extreme, but it's something that I do worry about. Um, I worry about people's access to just us as individuals. I mean, social media is what makes businesses every single individual and and business needs to have a social media presence to essentially exist in the world um whether you're trying to sell something or not and at the end of the day we really are just people we're not always trying to you know sell you our porn and and take your hard-earned dollars we really just want to create something that we're excited and that we're really proud of and it's it's been kind of a lot to process and it it's hurt my feelings so so it sounds like it's kind of having an effect on your mental health as well as you know it could potentially have a an effect on your job are there things that people can do that you know of that would help support sex workers like right now as they're listening to this i'm gonna be candid and say that I'm probably not the best researched person when it comes to actionable things that people can do. But one of the most important things is probably, you know, make sure you know what platforms your favorite sex workers and content creators are on. Um, I mean, I'm personally spread across just about everything. So if one site goes down, you know where you can find me. You can Google me. You'll find me on IMBD too. But I think that's like the the one immediate thing that I know. Um, I mean, the course would be researching what actual actionable things um, individuals can do, like, you know, writing to representatives and their, their congress members and, you know, really, really voicing an opinion that this is kind of getting a little out of hand and people do have the right to just enjoy their porn in peace. I think that's something that these anti-porn groups don't understand is like people aren't just going to stop trying to consume porn because it's not available readily, you know? Like you're not going to stop being horny just because porn doesn't exist online anymore. And I just feel like it's so... 
I, I do think that Pornhub had a lot of things that they needed to do that they were not doing in a timely manner. I don't think that Visa and MasterCard pulling out of Pornhub is going to help anyone that much. And honestly, it's just going to hurt sex workers in the long run, which is, I mean, they're the people delivering the porn. They're the, the site exists because of them. I don't know. I'm so angry. Yeah, it's definitely something that creates like a lot, a lot of emotions. I was scrolling through some some not so wonderful comments last night in one of Pornhub's posts and like I got so angry. I threw my phone down um, on my couch. I would never actually hurt my phone. That thing is my baby in my life. Um, but it's just it's hard to to see this happen, really, because. I mean, I don't know how many times I could say we we are people. We love what we do for the most part. Um, we, uh, most of us, I know that not every one of us gets to choose to be in this profession and like love it as much as I do. But this this was my choice and this is something I'm proud to do. And I, I make content that satisfies people's cardinal need. I scratch certain itches that, you know, people can't actually talk about. I'll, I'll be candid. I've actually had a couple people approach me to make custom content regarding pegging. Um, and, and they were like, this is not something that I've ever been able to really talk about with a partner. And I'm glad that, you know, I could come to you with this um, and and make me more comfortable and, and see that this really is, you know, something that shouldn't be so stigmatized and people should just enjoy pegging. But anyways, and and I've made genuine friendships over the like past five years with people, you know, because of what I do. Um, I've had people tell me that they've really helped that I've been helpful with their social anxiety and and good things that other place, you're not going to get that from maybe your barista. You're not necessarily going to always get that from your therapist um, or many other well-respected professions. So I don't see why everyone needs to hate on us just because I like to show my titties and occasionally my butthole and vagina. Every part. Every part. All the good bits. Yeah, I I know in in my therapy personally, we've been talking a lot about shame and it's hard for a lot of people to overcome shame and that's can be a really big like part of social anxiety for some people. Not everyone's cases or just dealing with trauma or dealing with views that aren't their own is a lot of the discomfort tends to be rooted in shame big companies being like, oh, you should be ashamed of the fact that you look at porn, that you want to see things that, I mean, I guess you don't see it walking around in public, but they're still happening. It just doesn't seem great for people's mental health. Like, I don't really see what they think they're accomplishing with going after Pornhub. Yeah, I definitely agree that, like, there's there's a lot of push shame upon upon individuals and and people when stuff like this happens and like it's it's hard because you know i can i can almost guarantee that the majority of the people that work at mastercard or visa enjoy porn the people i'm sure mark zuckerberg 
has enjoyed porn. Um, and everyone else at Facebook and Instagram has probably enjoyed porn. And, and it's, it's hard because there, there's no shame in porn. There's no shame in consuming it in moderation or maybe a little excess. We all have our things. Um, there's no shame in, in creating it. Emily, I think what we need to do is show up to Mark Zuckerberg's office and um, block off the Zuck Suck and be like, now's the time. Oh, the the aquarium? No, no, no. The, oh, the, the Zuck Suck. Isn't that no, what? No, no. Okay. Let me let me explain what the aquarium is. So fun fact, I interned at Facebook for two summers and Mark Zuckerberg is held in a glass enclosure called the aquarium. There are desks around this enclosure. People, people, when you start the internship, it's like, oh, don't take pictures of the Zug, Cheryl Sandberg, all, all those names. Like, don't make them feel like zoo animals. But then there, it's literally a glass box that they're in. And then there are desks around this glass box with software engineers. And we're going to put quotes around that because it's security guards dressed up as regular dressed up as not security guards. So they're wearing like gray hoodies and everything, which I find hilarious. And when you walk by, yeah, like dressed up as software engineers, essentially, like you see in like, it's literally called the aquarium. So yes, I agree. We should absolutely just confront them and be like, well, we honestly just need to find his dominatrix. Cause like, I assume every CEO has a dominatrix. I think that's a very valid and fair assumption to make. I don't know. What if we invaded Mark Zuckerberg's privacy? I, that's what he deserves. I mean, anyways, I'm not going to rant. I'm so mad. We can't, we can't rant about Facebook. Everybody gets <laughs> it. Everybody, long. I think, who listens to the show feels the same way about Facebook and Instagram and these social media platforms and what they're doing. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> so we're coming up toward the end of the interview. Uh, we lost Cactus halfway through, which kind of is a huge bummer because she really adds a lot to the show. But before we go, is there anything that you want to say to our audience? I actually think it would be helpful if you mentioned this earlier, but just talking about tips for sex workers to abide by social media policies and not get banned. Because like we all want to stick it to the van, but at the same time, getting banned from social media isn't isn't the best idea. Yeah, I definitely agree that it's not always the best best work plan uh, business strategy to, you know, really, really test the limits and get yourself deplatformed essentially anywhere. I mean, the best thing to do is really to, to mind your P's and Q's. And I mean, it really sucks because I wish that I could I wish that I could post on Instagram of my hand covering up my nips and and get way more likes than any other fully clothed post gets. But at the same time, I also don't want to lose. Well, I would really <laughs> I'll be really sad to lose Instagram because it's been a, a place for me to to get creative and just learn so much more about my style. But the same same things go for any other platform. Like even Reddit, you know, you have a lot more flexibility with what you can post, 
but each own subreddit has their their own rules and following those rules um, to the T and and doing what you can to get your exposure there is is really essential in you know just minding your P's and Q's and not upsetting the ecosystem of of whatever platform you you are on and that would be like the best thing and just make sure you're well diversified and well versed in what you can i know it's incredibly overwhelming to manage so 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 many platforms and there's definitely things that i've given up on but just making sure that you know you have that that option you you have that account set up you've maybe tried to dabble in it and see what you could do so at least if someone finds you that way they can direct you or if you lose it they know where to find your other stuff b we've really loved having you on the show technically for the second time but uh, <laughs> <laughs> i'm just that cool where can our guests find you after they listen to this episode and they want to check um, you out um i don't want to list anything specifically uh, cause you know, you never know if it's going to still be around. Uh, uh the best thing would be to go to beyork, B-E-A-Y-O-R-K dot com slash official. And that will have all of my official links to every place that I'm on. Although I do need to update my TikTok link since, um, my first account was closed and I have a new one and people seem to like me. We like you. <laughs> we definitely like you. I was like, is that too cheesy to just be like, we like you. Okay, fuck everybody else. Okay. <laughs> Who cares? Like yeah. More than one. Well, you can find us at candygirlpodcast.com. B's episode will be there as well as all of our previous episodes. So go check that out. Our socials are Candy Girl Podcast on Instagram and Candy Girl Pod on Twitter. And we will be sharing, um, you know, pictures of B and, and we'll have a promotional thing and everything. So hopefully, I don't think we'll get um, purged. But if we do, because uh, we do use some questionable hashtags and captions, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Oh, and don't forget to vote for her. And for don't forget to vote for her. Most spectacular oh, you. Yes. I, I'm up against some big names, but I do appreciate all the votes that I can get for my big boobies. <laughs> and we will hear from you guys next Friday. Fuck me, daddy. <laughs>